Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Sit back, relax, and prepare to have your fan serviced. It's Read and Weep, Season 4. We are three guys with perfect opinions about movies, TV, and culture, and we are here to talk you through our very special space episode. We have three important topics today focusing on space. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording from North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I am joined by my co-hosts. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter. He's a third-generation podcaster. We figured out the human inside was the final weakness to be solved. He's a droid. Uh, in Southeast Portland, it's Anthony Lopez. Hey, uh, excited to be here. Uh, you know, the best thing about talking about space is that people always think space is just out of space, but, like, we're in it right now. You know what I mean? Everything. <laughs> we're in inner space? No, yeah, we're, we're in space. It's you know? all space. It's There's all no space. difference. Starship Earth, man. We're yeah. traveling. Um, also joining us today, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd, where you should hang out with him and talk about movies. He's from the he's in the woods in Arkansas, and you'll never find an M count higher. It's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> oh, baby Hunter. That was me in space. That's a like baby. That. Yeah, in, in in space, everyone just sounds like they're eating helium. Because mm-hmm. you're floating, so it makes sense. That's yes, why your yes, voice yes. is high. And there's a lot high. of helium out there. I mean, yeah. I'm not a scientist, but there is. Well, where do balloons go when they're full of helium? Up to space, right? Back they home hang out is where they're going. That's where the space friends are. Um, all right. So this show is brought to you, as always, by our fabulous Meat Buddies. If you want to join them, literally the show would not happen without our Meat Buddies. If you'd like to join them and help keep the show limping down the tracks, go to Metreon.com. Sign up for our Patreon. And thanks to everybody who continues to support the show despite its lack of improvement. Um, so we have three, like I said, great segments for you today. First up, segment one, the news. Um, well, actually, first a brief detour, uh, a quick update about last week's news, the GameStop episode. Have you guys been uh, keeping up with the story? Yeah, uh, well, I, I I get hot takes every day, and it seems uh-huh. like they contradict each other. So, like the other day, someone yes. was like, "Oh, it crashed," and then and then I heard that it got bigger than ever. So I don't understand. I don't but, know. Uh, I was really following it. Uh, then I followed it a little bit too far, and now I'm just hanging out in a jacuzzi filled with cash. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I I signed up for some apps. I put in uh, my wife's life savings because I don't have any. <laughs> and uh, next thing I know, I. Uh, I'm rich, so... I just want to give you a small financial correction here, Anthony. Legally, it's half your life savings, too. Fuck yeah. (laughs) That's what marriage is about. Yeah, I mean, that was the argument I used. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The... well, I, to, to your point, Hunter, uh, one thing I heard somebody say, I can't remember who said this, but basically, there's not a single person on the internet who's... Uh, preconceived notions of of the world have not been reinforced by the GameStop story. Right. It's it is a perfect story in that it has proven whatever point you were already making for literally every person. <laughs> it's a um, um it's a coat hook story. It's whatever oh, yeah, you want to hang, hang your beliefs yeah, on. Whatever yeah. you want to hang on it, you can. It's one of it, those. It is know? perfectly that. I the only thing I want to update on is one take. I've heard like versions of this, but nobody's like quite connected all the dots. So this is a thought that I was having today that I wanted to share with you guys and get your opinion on, which is have you guys heard of the concept of the main character of the internet? Yes. No. Okay. I, I don't so, know. The like the, every day, there's a main character on Twitter. Yeah. The point. Oh, okay. the, now I get it. The goal <laughs> yeah. is to never be that character. It's it's usually a character you don't want to be. So like the like the first, I think January first, it was Bean Dad. Yeah. 
Oh, right. um, the the musician and not great dude who was like maybe abusive to his daughter or maybe just like told a funny joke story that wasn't real and well, like, everyone and was funny. <laughs> yeah there's no way it was a mate like he may have maybe told a story that was exaggerated but in no universe did he tell a story that was maybe funny but I believe yeah. that in his head he thought it was fun and cute and no, he, he took a five minute probably what 45 minute event and stretched it out into a yes. six hour saga right. for twitter points and um, then it turns out he got only negative points yeah it's yeah it's that yeah, it, it's it was, and then and then like last week for a day it was bernie sanders mittens um and then recently it was gamestop and so here's the this is the thing that i think people have not i, I this is my 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 summary of this first month of 2021 is that the main character of the internet is a is a thing that is happening because it used to be for four years Donald Trump was the main character oh, of Twitter right. every day, and then he's not, he got himself kicked off Twitter. So now we're like looking for a new main character every day, and we have all this energy that used to go towards one person's crazy, crazy tweets, uh, crazy tweets, and now it's spread <laughs> out to whoever. And so we're picking a new character each day. And so I think last week, GameStop was just the main character of Twitter. It filled the hole that Donald Trump left. I I disagree with that because it's there's a lot of people over the last four years who wish that was true, that Donald Trump created such a uh, ubiquitous blanket blanket over the Internet that their lives would not have been ruined. Like, there was still plenty of main oh, characters okay. oh, wow. over the yeah. past four years. Like, there's to say that Donald Trump, like, this phenomenon stopped because of him. Yeah, he was a recurring. He was, you know, yes, Donald Trump was. Fair. Donald Trump was the Kramer for the last four years, but there was a different <laughs> Jerry every day. You know what I mean? Like, that still happened. I there think was still, that's there was wow, still, that goes deeper than you think at oh, first. <laughs> yeah, I, there's layers to that, you know? Have you ever seen Donald Trump's Type 5 at the comedy store? Guys got canceled. Some black dude just wouldn't get off his phone up front, and Trump <laughs> fucking lost it on him. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, there was... That just because Donald Trump was on Twitter doesn't mean that there weren't still, you know, white women calling the cops on bird watching black men. Yeah, and sure. there, was still, there was a lot of alley oops and main characters. I yeah. guess I do think though that it feels like maybe there there was still some amount of energy. Maybe it wasn't a hundred percent of the energy on Twitter, but it was maybe like eighteen percent every day was dedicated to one person. And so that percentage has room to run and grab right. things. And I think that was contributing to being dad and Bernie Sanders mittens and it's, it's like it's displacement. Like like yes. like the Internet is like a like a little tub of shame with like shame juice in it. And <laughs> yeah. when, when Trump got out of the tub, it's like that's a lot of, you know, there's a lot <laughs> yeah, of room now in, in the shame tub. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. Um, it's sort of like the end of Truman Show where these people have like watched the show nonstop for years. And then they're just like, huh, well, wonder what else is on. Mm-hmm. Like, like the whole of Twitter on one day was like, huh, all right, let's see what else. Click. And then uh, I think that's was a contributing factor. The other part of the update from GameStop, uh, which I sent to you guys a few minutes ago, uh, was this story from Deadline Hollywood. Netflix finalizing GameStop stock movie package. Mark Boland talks to write Noah Centineo attached uh, Scott Galloway to consult. Um, so 
this is like it's not even like that movie about 9-11 that, that they started making on 9-12 this is like 9-11 at like 3 p.m on this story yeah. and they've already started working they've already sold the movie right like, we don't even the, know what else is going to happen today you don't know the story and... how could you be writing this movie i don't yeah. understand yeah i mean it's just it's it's like the people who are really excited to make a movie about this teacher going to space on the spaceship called the challenger yeah. uh good time then, to space but sad one yeah but like it's very much like getting the horses above the you know like maybe this might no, no, actually where are the horses anthony the horses are in front of uh, behind the carriage you know what i mean yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> You said above, and then you above, gave up, yeah. and I was wondering what was the horse above. Well, yeah, the yeah, cart? you know, you know, cart yeah, above the horse. That's you what don't want say, right? the horses to be above anything. They should be kind of the, the cart is like a horse hat, like the horses <laughs> wear it. I mean, if you're think... under the horse, you're getting trampled. Is the yeah, point. look, I know Alex. You don't spend a lot of times playing video games, right. but I do, and I've seen horses do all types <laughs> of crazy stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. They're not supposed to do. So well, I just get used I to it. I do subscribe to uh, a Reddit about bad game physics. So I've seen some horses do some crazy shit as well. Yeah, and also you follow a, a few Reddits about things that happen in Tijuana. So you see some oh, horses do some I crazy shit down there. Not, it's um, not. Nope. Nope. Not even for a second. Not going to play along. Hate this game. I don't know. You still have uh, your t- season passes to Aquarius, right? You still go see that show? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't even know what Aquarius is. Is that is that play where the guy fucks a horse? Daniel Radcliffe. Equus. 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 Oh, Equus. Okay. No, Aquarius, it's the dawning of the age of uh, Harry Potter fucking a horse. So, um, okay, anyway, so that's the new... But here, this is our main story, bringing back to space for today. The the main story... um, which has is an old news with an update. So this is from last week. Kate Duffy reporting for Business Insider. Axiom Space on Tuesday announced the lineup of the first ever private crew to fly to the International Space Station. The four men will each pay $55 million mm-hmm. to fly on a SpaceX rocket to the ISS. So it's just Ooh. people from all walks of life. It's just a <laughs> huge... Yeah. Yeah. It, is a, it is a cross-section of America of four guys who could afford $55 million. Actually, specifically, it's retired NASA astronaut and Axiom Vice President Michael Lopez Algeria, uh, who flew to space four times during his 20-year career in the space agency. He's the commander. And he's joined by U.S. entrepreneur and nonprofit activist investor Larry Connor and two Canadian investors, Mark... Oh, I don't understand that phrase. Anyway, Canadian investor Mark Pathy and Israeli businessman... Aiton Stib as mission specialists. So I was really hoping you were going to like be listing them off, and then just one uh, one guy named Tyler from Nebraska who was like a flat <laughs> a flat earther, and oh, they yeah, all yeah, just yeah. pulled their resources together to be <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, the but, whole flat earth conspiracy. Everybody tossed in a buck, and they're going to yeah. send one dude into space. Yeah, let's find. Let's really like nip this that's in the funny. butt. You know, that's what they they should they should just for free. Just four people who paid $55 million and then one flat earther with a popular YouTube channel. Get him <laughs> on there as well. I would put a dollar into that fund just yeah. just for the just for the footage of him going, I don't know. Fucking. You uh, think I, yeah, it's a deep fake. You think I don't yeah. know what it, what uh, the earth looks like? The other thing, though, is that this, so this was our news story until like 10 minutes before we started recording. SpaceX announced that it's going to launch a mission this year called Inspiration. I mean, it'll get postponed, but goal is Q4 this year called Inspiration 4, 
which will be four civilians who spend a couple of days orbiting the Earth. It's piloted by Jared Isaacman, the founder of something called Shift4 Payments. But here's the thing. It's actually closer to what you guys were just saying, is he's doing a contest where if you donate money to St. Jude's Children's Hospital, you will be eligible for it's like a raffle for who's going to join. So they're hoping to raise $200 million for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So he's paying for the trip for all four of you, but he's going to pick the other three people. And it seems like it's going to be maybe one just from the general public and then one frontline worker at St. Jude's and one person, um, somebody else who works at the hospital. So um, that's closer. That might actually be a cross section. He said during an interview today that diversity is a crucial part of his mission. The goal of this one is to inspire people, hence the brilliant name inspiration Four. um, but so that's even going to be earlier, but it's not just rich assholes. Now it's one rich asshole and his three poor friends. Oh, that's going to be a little awkward at least. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like a, it's like a hangout at George Clooney's house, you know, yeah. just the, it's fine I, for the I novelty, but then you just realize like you and George are just in completely different worlds and he doesn't yeah, understand anything you do. And, not. Yeah. yeah. He, I, uh, he said he was needed. Like I need him to run the store to grab milk. And he was like, should I bring like 80 to a hundred dollars? And I was like, no, George, <laughs> what, are you, what yeah. are you, what? How much, how much do we need? Well, so the, uh, um, I, I guess my main questions for you guys is let's say you had entered this, uh, this inspiration for raffle. You donated some money to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and you got chosen. Um, and it's going to be awkward because you're going to hang out with this Jared guy who I don't think I want to hang out with. And it, and it specifically said, they mentioned to, during a press call today that the um, the training will include spending an entire day just in a tent on a mountainside with the other people you're going to space in. So just like to practice being too close. No, um, that's when you're going to have to jerk him off because that's I, what he's really yeah. making you do. So like, that's my question is, would you do it? Would you guys be interested in? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Even he's with the nasty Jared. thing Anthony just said, even if that was explicit, in the, I'd be like, oh, I get to go to space. <laughs> Donate to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and then a little over the clothes stuff with Jared and then you can go to space. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's that's totally fine with me, to be honest. That's, that's great. Yeah, I'd probably do that, too. Yeah, I um, mean, so, okay, first off, here's my... Th- I feel like this thing, like, when was the, like, Lance Bass is spending $5 million oh, yeah. for the Russians? <laughs> like, the Russians that take him to space? Like, I know eventually, like, civilian space travel theoretically will be a thing, right? It probably will. But I feel like between... That's the Virgin Galactic stuff that was talked about, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I feel like we're constantly 18 months away from the first flight like this. Well, so just Uh, to give you a little bit of an update on that, what it actually is, is that there have been Russia has spent sent space tourists uh, to uh, the International Space Station since 2001. Dennis Tito, an American businessman, was the first paying space tourist. He paid $20 million for a week-long stay in space. And um, South African Mark Shuttleworth made a similar trip in 2002. Um, but I believe that program has stopped. Um, I believe that is not happening anymore. But so there, we have sent people... Uh, Cosmos has sent people to space. But... And, and Virgin Galactic is doing a real shit job. They're not very close. But Jeff Bezos's company, Blue Origin, um, is doing a much more modest space where they put you in a rocket and they send you up and for like eight minutes and then you come back down. 
and just land in Texas where you were 10 minutes ago. And that's going to be like $100,000. And that will probably happen this year, it seems like. So we're actually for real close. And the SpaceX uh, capsule that they're sending is the one that's currently at the International Space Station that they sent now to commercial crew programs to the space station so this it feels for real close and like this one's actually like not 18 months away but like maybe a year away for real so i I, your skepticism is like is definitely well founded historically but i think we're close to real stuff i well and then so that is like i don't know i i feel so conflicted with because i'm I'm a yeah. I love like science fiction. I love the idea of space travel. I'm a big you know Star Trek, Star Wars guy. I love the sort of um, altruistic, uh, optimistic future that I feel like you know we turned our back on as a society a hundred years uh-huh. ago and are never going ne- near that. Uh-huh. Um, so to me, it's I'm always like torn in the sense that like a part of me like thinks that's really cool. And things like, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to get really excited about like SpaceX and all this stuff. But at the same time, to me, it's so clear that they're not building the future from like Star Trek or any of that optimistic <laughs> space travel, right? What it's just clearly slowly being built in front of us, like the the dystopian future of like the rich get to leave this shithole planet they destroyed and everyone else gets to die here. Um, Like they're not, they're not building stuff at the enterprise. They're building the, the mining chips from Dune. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it it is not, there is nothing about it to me that actually feels like on paper, it feels very optimistic and cool, but then you actually look at it and it's just like, Oh yeah. Like, so like the, this is just well, where okay, the okay. rich are going to go. Like, this is just yeah. what's going to happen to the rest of us. I mean, I totally think that uh, a cyberpunk uh, hyper-capitalist hellscape is is in the cards for our yes. future. But also, like on, on, a more, on a more, like, note of where we're at to where we could get, how soon till, like, the mouse hears about this? And now everybody can go if you give the mouse, you know, 80 bucks and you subscribe to Disney Plus. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think that is in the cards of eventually it being profitable and desirable for some corporation to allow normal, regular people to go to space. And I mean, of course, you know, it'll be like you and... And, every, and there's like a family and they're you're all squished in together and there's like yeah, a yeah, baby I mean, like, or something. Flying the spirit airlines. Of, right, right. Uh, com- travel, you know. Spirit galactic. But yeah, yeah the- it's, it's that like, you know, the, God, I feel like this is a very cliche thing to say, but the like kind of the thing of our generation is this like born too late to explore the planet, born too early to explore the stars. Like we're kind of in this odd no man's land when we get to explore dope memes and sick yeah the uh, internet you, 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 right. you know, like it's it's just so dis like I don't know I just find it as I get if older more feeling- if you weren't feeling disheartened enough, um, I think it was like uh, last month where uh, in an interview, Elon Musk said that with his plans to be on Mars, if you didn't have enough money to make the trip, there would be loans available and you could get jobs there to pay off your debt, which oh. is mm. like, like, well, so I, I, never I, in I, was before. Really... I don't have anything I can yeah, reference right? there. 
right? Uh, you you know, um, Elon, we have tried this one. I don't know if you. It's not historically a great plan. It it's has like, not no, worked out well. No, it's great. And like once you get to Mars, like eventually, like if you're really down on your luck, we'll like send you to a burrow that has a trap door. And you'll fall through it, and we'll space Shanghai you. And now you're looking on the asteroid belt. Like, yeah, I mean, it does seem like they're setting up to replay all of the worst things that we figured out we could do with boats. Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, no. how all the bad stuff we did with boats? Let's try that again with no air. Um, it, yeah, that definitely seems bad. But I will say, on the upside for me. I am a little bit more optimistic than you guys. I mean, that stuff makes me feel bad. Um, I do, you know, I follow SpaceX pretty and and the rest of the private space industry pretty closely. Um, my goal, though, I don't think, I don't know, before Disney gets to it, but after it's only rich people, there's going to be an opportunity to be the first space station cruise ship comedian. Mm, and yeah. that's me. That's what I'm trying to do is I just want to be in line to be the first stand upside down comedian i want to be be, okay yeah okay i like it you want to be the first the first person that can entertain in space and not be distracted by the whole space part of it like i mean i think you'd work it into the act right you do some crowd work you'd be like oh so i'm from earth anybody else woo you know that kind of thing (laughs) well alex (laughs) so something you've already got some bits and you're already tired of them alex I have two more I'm going to try to work in. But something about, like, you that I'm always, like, interested in is, like, you have, you know, like, you, you, the 3D VR stuff you talk about, like, making you feel sick and giving you yeah. headaches and stuff like yeah. that. How are you with, like, roller coasters? I don't know if I've ever talked about, question. like, how are you, are you going to be able to do a top five? Like, first off, is it still funny or is it funnier if in the middle of a joke you have to vomit in a vomit bag, uh, <laughs> does that help your act or improve it? But I you- think that might be fun for people. I could imagine. Um, yeah, I do think that I am low on the list of people selected for this job because of my motion sickness. I watched a a live concert last weekend and it messed me up for the rest of the day. Oh boy! Just a <laughs> handheld camera, and I was like, the rest of the day I just felt like a little bit bad. Um, However, I do sort of imagine that we are going to solve this problem at the same time. I feel like when we're sending normies to space, we will have gotten like a really good motion sickness pill that doesn't actually make you drowsy. And not like Dramamine, no drowsy, which just makes you still 100% drowsy. So I'll nap on the way up and just take my Dramamine if that's what it has to be. And then I'll wake up for the show, drink some space coffee and throw it back up. But I mean, look, Alex, I've, I've told you for a long time that... You are like already like a very motivated guy who has a lot of like good ideas and is someone who's like really driven. And uh-huh. if you developed a cocaine problem, you would be unstoppable. You know, like I've told you this for you. I, we, talk, I and, we talked about this. I w- that I thought I was like a prime candidate for Ritalin. And then Hunter, you told me a fun Ritalin story and talked me out of it. No, but I think that like if you were in because I think in, that's the only way someone could actually get you to do like a heavy amphetamine uh, was being like you get to go to space, but this the yeah, dramamine man. makes you drowsy. But oh, yeah, yeah, you got to do a type well, fifteen. You need um, the focus, man. Take this. I might, I might be up for that. Um, yeah, I could be. I, I'm, I'm open to that I mean, possibility. For space, worth it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for space. I mean, yeah, like, like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna touch Jared in his no no places, I'd definitely be willing to do drugs. Also, I'm just like right, just for a minute, and you get to go to space. Like, yeah, yeah. 
For sure. Like, the coolest stuff about space is always the the things that are like I like the the image you the words you said about like the stand upside down comedian. Mm-hmm. Like I just got my head thinking about like all the cool stuff like fuck like doing comedy in the round. Imagine comedy in the sphere. Yeah, in the sphere. Yeah, it's like people you. above you, to the side of you, beneath you. You're just floating in the center. How dope would that be? be? It could be cool. You could really use the space for some good act outs. You could hump the stool every direction. Right. Yeah. That, um, that, that would happen first. The first <laughs> performance would just be someone well, being yeah, like, you're oh. the first person to, to do it in space. Right. Um, right. That was a bonus bit. I didn't even have that one written down. Can I tell you what the album's going to be called if I record it there? Yeah, like yeah. Odyssey? It's called Live at the Apollo 13. That's really that's yeah. All right. Here's my other here's my other bit is I'm gonna open I might open with this, which is like, is everybody drinking? Yeah, yeah, mostly your own urine. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It's all recycled urine on the space station. That's what you drink. Anyway, those are my jokes for my being a cruise ship space. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Is that true? Recycled urine? They're just drinking piss up there? You gotta, you gotta, of course you gotta, I mean, you drink the, the... What do you mean, the, of course? You can't just, like, bring... This is the first I'm hearing about this. You can't just, like, bring, like, a jug of water and, like... You, do you, I mean, yeah, like, you do bring a water bottle, but you're there for, like, a couple of months, and you're peeing, and you don't just shoot that out into space. Of course they're doing recycled Why can't you shoot it out into space? Because what, what, you need water, and, and, it, and it costs $100,000 a pound to bring stuff to space. So, well, it's not this. easy... Okay, well now I'm reconsidering the over the pants stuff well, with Jared. I gotta say, this bit. is the thing about the space station is, and and actually also orbiting in this crap. Like none of this is gonna be rad. Is like there's some cool parts, but there's also like you poop into a vacuum cleaner and everybody smells bad the whole time. You like there's no showers. You shower with like wet wipes. It's like not a great life in a lot of ways. Mm, there's a lot of indignities uh, of being in space. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is. It is like. So you go back to the boat analogy, it would be like paying $55 million to go in a shitty canoe up some great uh, vast ocean for six weeks with a bunch of sailors. Like it would. Yeah, a bunch of the kind of people who also do that. Yeah. It's not ideal. Um, I am not going to be contributing to St. Jude's Children's Hospital for a chance at this. But if Jared does want a handy, we can talk. Um, that's the end of the space, the segment one. Let's talk about our homework. Segment two for the show. Our homework today is the Disney plus original series, the Mandalorian created by John Favreau and starring a baby Yoda puppet and a guy wearing a bucket on his head. Uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. Gogu. Let's, let's be, let's, let's be. Grogu? It's it's Grogu. Grogu. I... Do not think that's real. Um, somebody called him Grogu. I don't give a shit. It was Lady Jedi, right? She called him Grogu. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. His name is Baby Yoda, and anyone else is wrong. Um, <laughs> also, like apparently, Mandalorian has a name. Who cares? He's got. He's anyway. Buckethead and Space Baby is the show, and we are gonna do. We're gonna do some spoiling. Um, this came out a few months ago. I think we will probably spoil most of it. So if you don't want to know that Baby Yoda dies in season two, skip ahead. <laughs> to about the one that's hour that's not mark. true that's not they can't kill baby yoda it's they practically can't. the baby yoda show okay I, <laughs> it really is i i just whenever someone says baby yoda like i i say it a lot too but it's because it's fun but ever since they gave him a name i've just gotten this image in my head of like if he only ever met one human and it was like blake 
and you saw like a baby, and you'd be like, "Oh, baby Blake, yeah, that's, I know who that is. That's baby Blake." You would be like, "What are you talking about?" You're saying, oh, what you're saying is in this weird Blake's situation over there. Look at those Grandpa Blakes. Yeah. Hey, I love that that scene in uh, uh, Phantom Menace when you see Lady Blake for a quick second. I I mean, what, so what you're saying is in this other situation, it would be a reasonable thing to do. It's just, it's so just there are, as far as I can tell, only two Yodas who have ever existed: an adult Yoda and a baby Yoda. I think. No, that, hey, what what no, there's a lady say, Yoda. This Yaddle from M- yes. uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. Jeez, Alex. Wait, for some Yaddle? Reason, I don't know why they're so uninterested in Yaddle. Like literally, yeah. when Baby Yoda came out, everyone who's really into Star Wars is like, "Oh, remember Yaddle?" And then the show is just kind of like. Who cares about Yaddle? It's like I guess we all do, okay? Like you can Who work her in. Yaddle is well. First off, let me see if I can find it. This is great image. That was one of the very first things I ever saw on the internet. Oh my God, it really is just but, Yoda with girl hair. Yeah, but this, <laughs> really this is. is very. Uh, this is image of uh, a picture of Yaddle. Uh, taped to a pillow with a flashlight st- stuck out in front of it. Oh no. <laughs> that was getting it the worst. No, but it was like literally the first thing I think I ever saw on the internet was a friend called me over and said, <laughs> "Look at this," and I was like, "Oh!" And in that second, I completely understood what the internet was and what the benefits of it were going to be. Uh, <laughs> Minimal. I, yeah. I, but I guess yeah, I just thought that was Yoda in a wig. I did not realize. Um, yeah, you know, this is Yoda not in episode when, one. This has got to be later. It's got to be no, in two or in, three. It's in episode. He's she's in episode one. It's when Yoda goes to the drag club and does like that fifteen minute version <laughs> of staying alive. Uh, not, the prequels are not canon. Um, I don't care at all about this. Um, anyway, so let me give you guys a summary though, really quick. Here's my summary of the Mandalorian's first two seasons. The Mandalorian is a space bounty hunter who is never allowed to take off his helmet because he's in a cult, some sort of helmet cult. So a guy living inside the world's smelliest bucket gets a job cap- capturing an asset that turns out to be an adorable baby Yoda puppet that is somewhat articulated. Um, parts of it can move and parts of it cannot. Um, he turns it over to the bad man, but be- not before getting his stink all over it. So now it's imprinted on him thinks that Bucket Hat is his daddy. So he rescues Baby Yoda and the two float around getting in scrapes and on different planets and getting out of them by the end of the episode. Basically, in this the Star Wars universe, every bar in every city on every planet in the galaxy, there is a group of humans that or creatures that's about 10 minutes away from going on an adventure and they're one guy short. Every single bar in the whole universe is just I mean, like. To be fair, that is kind of the promise and the allure of a universe like Star Wars, right? Yeah, and right. That's like cool. the, yeah. the biggest issue, I think, with uh, especially the Disney Star Wars is the shrinking down of that possibility space. Um, but I do also think, like, yeah, basically, The Mandalorian is a. Uh, this guy meets this baby goes on uh 16 uh side Side quest quest. yeah Yeah, one fetch quest after one video game thing and then he finally gets back to a story mission uh and uh that's the they do that once a season it's space west world where every bar you walk into if you sit down somebody is about to say but first i need your help on this adventure and then 
at 10 minutes into the adventure, you're going to say, this is not what I bargained for. And that's the whole universe is just, but, but first I'm, I need your help. This is not I, what I bargained for. I think that, and I'm going to be kind of flip floppy in sort of how I feel about the Mandalorian because I'm very conflicted about it, yeah. especially since sure. the second season. Um, but and like, I do like a lot about it, but I mean, I also feel like this is like the promise that Star Wars has always kind of done. Like this is like, what old adventure serials or old Western yeah, television yeah. shows are like the it's, it'd be like saying everyone in the Ponderosa is always 10 minutes away from going on an adventure in Bonanza. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's how the show works. You I've know, seen like, it, but I assume that's true. And yeah, that's exactly. And I, that's what I like about it. And that's a thing that this felt like it was doing right out of the gate was it's like, this is just a fun, chill adventure serial cowboy space show. Yes. And also we have the cutest puppet you've ever seen. Right. And it's so cute. And there's like one really good baby Yoda bit, like basically every episode. You're like guaranteed minimum one baby Yoda moment that is really cute and probably really funny. There's an entire episode where he's eating, he eats like six of the last 10 of this endangered frog species. And it's a goddamn delight. Yeah, there's nothing better than watching him almost wipe out this frog species from the galaxy. The fact that like people seriously tried to cancel him over that uh, was hilarious. People were mad about that for real. People were legit furious and talking about how they should cancel the show because of how because people can't have fun anymore. Uh, But that's besides the point. But I I will say, people have never been able to have fun. That's not what we're (laughs) known for as a species. I, I do want to get to, uh, I think one of the biggest highlights that you kind of get on with Baby Yoda is a really good example of this, is, but not just the puppet. I think the show, minus one or two roles, the casting is another huge thing that really makes this show work so well. Uh, like, he didn't come back for the second season, but like the fact that they got Werner Herzog, Oh yeah, Herzog uh, was a great. Oh man, what a fun! Like the first time you hear his voice, you're like, "Wait a second, is a bear about to eat me?" It's great fun. Oh, Everything yeah. about that guy is awesome. You didn't, and Nick Nolte's character in the first season, like, is such a like a weird pull that yeah. I ended up really liking. Yeah, but I mean, not you everyone. Have... There's some really bad ones. Well, I liked I liked Nick you... Nolte as the big faced man. That was fun. I have real problems with her as a person, and I find her to be. Um, kind of gross We're going too fast with names who is she carrero she's the ufc fighter who is oh, like yeah. the yeah, yeah, but, i mean carl weathers uh carl weathers Gio, was great Kono esposito is obviously definitely always incredible in everything he did Flipping rules uh, all seeing, the, everything uh the uh ming na win who's a, a the asian actress who's in a few episodes and comes back in the second season. Horatio Sands is really, uh, really good in this Amy show. Amy Sedaris is really fun. A- Amy Sedaris. Uh, I'm really glad was, I did. There's one major, uh, I think, not awesome, which is Bill Burr. <laughs> I feel like Bill Burr is the, the biggest casting miss of this show. Here we are, here we are uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr is fine on the show. Oh, well, really? I, is it? What, I don't what do you feel think? like he does wrong in the show. Let's let's let's. We probably don't. We do not need to touch on Bill Burr as a person in real life. That I'm pretty sure everyone uh, can just imagine that conversation on their own. But what, uh, yeah, what yeah, yeah. So, in the scope of the show? I feel like his, so he has two episodes that he's in, and the first episode he is just the least amount of effort 
into acting I've ever seen someone have on a television show. Well, I've, that like, he, he's still, also like, has like there's like budgets. Uh, God, not who's the guy who played Hellboy, the original one, who's in all game. Yeah, there's like budget Ron Perlman in that episode, who's the other guy he's, in makeup. Uh, wait, isn't there Clancy Brown in the makeup? Actually, like he's really well cast. And like, wait, is, isn't it the 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 um the uh, basic training guy, the the screaming guy? No, isn't right? no, he? It's, um... it's Clancy Brown is the guy who I was thinking of as the Ron Perlman mm-hmm. uh, okay. type. Uh, in that, but I mean, he's oh, kind yeah, of, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's yeah. in like a uh, he's Mr. Krabs, yeah, he's in a oh, uh, it's Mr. Krabs. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah, um, anyway, so I, I yeah, I we'll, we'll we'll skip over Bill Burr, I think it's not the most important part. There's a bunch of fun well, no, little no, no, bits. I, I, I did, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit because I what. Uh, is it is it just like kind of the laziness of his performance? Because I do feel yeah. like they're they're basically doing a bit. He's like he's like stunt casting to me. Where yes, I think that's true. It's essentially the joke is, haha, we put Bill Burr in Star Wars. Yes. Like, well, what is he doing it, here? Bill Burr, Bill Burr in Star Wars implies that there's a space Boston. Uh, yeah. which is very funny it is like, you think about stuff like that, that and it does kind of get funny like yeah you're right yeah it's a f- okay if you think of it that way as a gag it's funny but it's just like he's a guy who kind of sucks and then he's like doing a character that sucks and he's doing a sucky job of it and so it does kind of like not delight me most of the time he's on I stage didn't, i did not mind him at all in the first episode that he was in when they brought him back i was like are they confused as to like what the appeal the same joke again well, yeah. the episode when they brought him back is one of my favorite episodes of the second season and i do think it's like not because of him like if anything right. he kind of holds I it agree. back but that episode yeah. to me because it's also the episode when they brought back Horatio sands who i think is really really good in this show um and then you i mean you have gia carrero also featured heavily in that episode which i'm not a huge fan of but mm-hmm. Carl Weathers is really good. And that that episode has, uh, I, I think that P- Pedro Pascal, someone who we haven't talked about yet, he's the titular Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very Allegedly. weird, weird thing with it because he's he's mostly the voice. Like, like, I guess on the second season, he was in the costume more. But in the first season, it was mostly like a stuntman in the costume. Well, I was wondering about that. It seemed expensive to have someone I've heard about in a character role where it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. But, so I mean, unless that, it doesn't have to be on set, in which case maybe you save a little money. Yeah, exactly. Totally, I mean, yeah. That's what, and and this season he did more, and I do think his voice performance is pretty good. But there's a thing in this season when he has to take off his helmet and like be a normal human being, and the way he plays it is not like someone who's like uncomfortable with his face. He plays it as someone who literally doesn't know what to do with his face, like because yeah. he's just never doesn't have a helmet on and right. he he's just like he's so like you can just see these things happening behind the scenes and his like in the character like eyebrows what the fuck do i do with eyebrows <laughs> uh, I, is this smile we, like he just does this like really good acting that like blew me away while it was happening uh and that is in that bill Burr episode so i do think like just because it has like the best scene of pedro pascal in the series yeah. Uh, that episode did get like, and that episode was directed by Carl Weathers. The directors yeah. for this series, yeah, have been really list. wild. 
No, 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 uh, wait, wait. No, no, that's not the Carl Weathers episode. The Carl Weathers episode is the one that features Carl Weathers in it a lot. Um, yeah, that's isn't that the uh, Rick? Uh, oh, what is his name? Uh, wait, uh, no, yeah, the girl, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I got. He him. directed the he directed the Bill Burr episodes in both. Which is another reason that makes me feel like, oh, I feel like maybe they misunderstand the point of having Bill Burr in the show, which right. is that it's just a joke. He's not supposed yeah. to be. Carl Weathers real. directed <laughs> the episode that uh, the Jeans guy was in. Uh, I yeah, don't know if you saw. Too much. It's too much. I can't follow. Right. Um, Did you not? Oh, yeah. You weren't really watching it. But so you didn't see this because it wasn't in it. They removed it the, like, the day after it aired. But oh. in the episode that Curls Weathers directed, mm-hmm. there was a in the, one of the big action scenes in the background. There was a guy in blue jeans who was a crew guy who was standing oh, okay. there, and, <laughs> and they uh, you could only see his lower half. But like canonically, jeans do not exist in the Star Wars universe. Sure, like, no one has ever worn denim, uh, so they CG'd him out. But yeah, that was like a little goof that was in there. It's a fun little cool. goof, yeah. But also, Taika Waititi obviously directed an episode, yeah. as well as doing some fun voice work. And then uh, Robert Rodriguez, Bryce Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard? Howard, yeah, did an episode. I mean, yeah, the directing. Um, who's the what's his name? Dick Dan Fillion, Dave Fillion, also Dave Filoni. Made, Dave Filoni is his name. Yeah, Dave Filoni. He made his directorial debut, but he's like, I, I'm. Uh, he was a big like instrumental voice in making. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Then he invented the Clone Wars at Lucasfilm, and like is a guy who's done some really good animation stuff and jumped over the live action uh, with this series. I thought he did some pretty good directing. Um, I um, so yeah, um, I think there's some really good casting stuff. Some weird joke casting. I think the direction was really good. Um, it is kind of interesting. Like the the main thing about the show to me is that. I feel like they did the best job of making Star Wars look like what I remember Star Wars looking like mm-hmm. um, of anything that I've seen. It was the it felt the most like I'm at home in the Star Wars universe. And part of it, it's because like with tens of thousands of planets, for some reason, everything keeps happening on the same four places I've been. But also uh, they're like just the right the right amount of these are droids you've seen before. These are. Like and then and then taken to one step further, which is exactly how much I, what I want you to do with a property like this is make it look faithful, and then do one thing a little bit different. The yeah. bars look all like the the canteen from the original trilogy, but then also one of the bars there's like just a piece of pipe that hangs from the ceiling that delivers fish chowder. So it's like you took the same idea you already had that I felt familiar with, and you added a new treat, mm, a yeah, fish see, chowder I- pipe. I think that getting into that sort of fan service one. Well, we already talked about on this podcast how they make the Mandalorian. And I think it's funny that like with these new fangled techniques, it feels the most like kind of old school analog filmmaking, which is very yeah. funny. Um, well, yeah. And actually, just just uh, one of the reasons we're, we're doing this is I started watching it mostly because you guys got me excited about the tech. It's I got into this in kind of a weird bank shot way is that I watched a bunch of documentaries about how they did the technology. And then I was like, well, then I should probably watch the show. This looks cool. Yeah. And what I will say from having done that is that watching a lot of stuff about the technology and then watching the show is it it's mostly great. But after a couple episodes, you start to notice that every time they're outside. They are in a round clearing. 
Yes. There's just a lot of different planets that have the same shape clearing or slot canyon that they're in every time. But and isn't, that's the risk you take when loaning how something is made. Like, I wonder, had you totally, never yeah. loaned that, would oh, you have ever noticed that? Not in, in a million years. No, not a, not a million years. And I don't, and it doesn't bug me. It was actually kind of fun to notice. They're like, oh, cool, a new slot canyon. Like, oh, what a fun. Hey, you got a cool way to be in this. Oh, different. This one's a this one's a jungle round clearing. Like it's it was super fun. So it, it did not bother me. It was actually more like an Easter egg once I noticed it. But yeah, so that was that was how I got into it. And I think that the show I, in the first season when it was kind of doing more of its own thing, I feel like the second season started to lean a little bit more into like, hey, I know what that means. Like just fan servicey stuff. Right. Like especially like I really love uh, um, uh, who what's the name of the character was uh, Rosario Dawson plays in this. Like, like I really love Rosario Dawson and I don't know much about that character, but I know that there's a lot of fan reference for her. And like, I recognize the name thrall and like Boba Fett. I love seeing like the actor from the prequels back as Boba Fett. I think that's cool. But like when they kept him around for so long and had him like, just doing like gratuitous fan service and then this show ending with like coming 2021 yeah. the book yeah. of fett uh, yeah. so, so i, I want to talk about book of fett in a second let me let's wrap on these let's let's spread these two things out because the first one is so i guess this is my question to you guys and i will tell you my opinion on it but is it too much fan service a good amount of fan service not enough fan service how do you feel uh, i think it goes from episode to episode uh, no, so you, you, and to... you thought early on it was mostly good, and then in the second season it got too much. Well, it, it was like not even that it got too it got too much in a few points in the middle, especially when I feel like a lot of the show is spinning its wheels between getting to like the first and last episode of each season. Like I really thought like the Luke stuff worked for me, and I think it's funny because I've always like dogged on rogue one which has like the exact same scene with darth vader in it uh and i hate that scene in that movie i just like that movie i you really the last scene in the in end rogue of season two yes but the, oh the, my god because okay. well, that, about... that's your next topic of discussion so no, no, we have to get meant, to that what i meant was uh, in rogue one i hated that scene i really yeah, yeah. liked it in mandalorian yeah that part uh, that second half of that opinion is absolutely blowing my mind i mean i think um, i don't think it looked very good but it, to me it was like fun kind of owned fan service but to oh, me it's a, it's a lot of the other I've never stuff been like, more upset to see a character enter a scene <laughs> I, I cannot I, believe I, that you're like this series is just about baby yoda and you're going to tell me that the end of a season is just a cartoon luke skywalker saying i'm your daddy now and walking away okay it's all right most Unbelievable! It's the most ridiculous scene you've built up for almost they, forty minutes. No, no, no. That that that, that it, this is. There's a difference between fan service and like like the actual like fan service suggests that has no real place in the story. Mm-hmm. It is literally just meant. It's just like, hey, look at that. Like that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Th- this I feel like is is not that. It's weird. I have quibbles with with the moment that we're talking about, but it is set up in in the season several episodes before. Um, and it does feel like the type of moment that is earned. However, I did not necessarily like the execution because no matter what, I'm never going to like the, uh, the digital DA. Every every time Disney makes a star Wars picture, they just like you to remember. We're still not good at that. Yeah. Every few years they want you to tell you, look, our technology is getting better. 
we're still not good at making a person look like young Luke Skywalker. We can't do it. Why did they need to show his face at all? I didn't need to see his face. I knew who it was. It'd be kind of fun to just think it's him. But yeah, I... They okay, could have just I, used his voice and shot it. But I do think Hunter nailed it. It's like the Vader thing in uh, Rogue One is like completely unearned. Vader literally no accomplished reason for it to be in the movie. It's just yeah, it's, here's it's also a, this. Yeah, the scene in Rogue One is literally Vader failing at attempting something. Right? He 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 blows it. Like that's the big scene. And, Pete, and like I just remember seeing it in the theater and feeling insulted. But this at least it's like well like. It makes sense within the fiction. They have set up this Jedi thing. And, like, I do kind of like the idea of removing Baby Yoda from the Mandalorian story. Like, I'm kind of curious what, like, no. the next season of that would be. Nope. We'll um, not watch it. This well, is the Baby Yoda there's, show. No, 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 no. There, there's no way. Hold up. There's no way that they are going to do this show without you seeing Baby Yoda. I think what Anthony is saying is that we might get a season where these characters are not in the same place. But yeah. obviously, we're still going to see it yeah, from their point of view. If I have to see him with cartoon Luke face, there's no goddamn way. Yeah, they but, can find a way around that pretty easily, but, though. I mean, they already have Ahsoka. Like, literally, I think that's why they established her in the show is for... I mean, obviously, it's for her own show, but also, I think, to get around that problem of, like... So we just have to have cartoon Luke around all the time. But yeah, and it's to me, it's like the fan service stuff that really uh, like most of the stuff when Boba Fett is like massacring small armies by himself. And it's like, one, do you guys remember uh, in The Force Awakens when they like spend a lot of time and one of the main characters whole thing is that like stormtroopers or kidnapped children who are brainwashed yeah. and turned right, into yeah. child soldiers. Yep. Yep. So that, and then everyone at Lucasfilm and Disney was like, Oh, we can't, we can't look into that can of worms. And they just slowly shut it and put it on mm-hmm. a shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have like, yeah, we have this, you know, not, I like to see chubby representation, chubby out of shape, Boba Fett massacring mm-hmm. small groups of brainwashed, children soldiers that we just don't talk about i agree that's funny that's very bad i just i I, like i okay i guess my feeling though was i liked the second season a lot and i I liked the i liked the fish planet where they fixed his ship with fishing it was super fun like there was a bunch of stuff in season two that did not bother me and then that it felt like the ending came out of nowhere but it's partially because maybe i just didn't get the hints that you got from you guys being deeper in the yeah if, if anything if anything i think the difference in in our takes here alex is that what you're saying actually kind of bothered me through the entire second season, especially right. when compared to the first. And so once well, we got the- to that final moment, it wasn't like it all rests on this. It was like, no, they've been doing this for about six episodes now. So that so I didn't get that. But here, so th- this leads us to where they're going with that post credit sequence, um, which uh, I think, Hunter, you had, a, you had a good description of this when we were chatting about it, where I we felt like for a little while, at least the Mandalorian was chill, but then it was too successful. Right. And so and now it is not chill. And it's not only that the second season ends with a teaser for a Boba Fett show that I guess uh, I, I don't I still don't even really understand why I would be excited about a Boba Fett show after you showed me a new bucket head guy that I like. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like Bo- Boba Fett did not. I mean, he was a fine teammate, but no part of me was like, "Oh, I wonder what he gets up to when he leaves the sh- the scene." Yeah, and no. Plus, no. Uh, like, let's let's all admit, we were all we were all sitting there. the The show just ended. We started on this credit scene, and 
universally, I don't know about you guys, but when I watched this when it first aired, I could feel the universe start to vibrate because everyone was like, finally, the Bib Fortuna spinoff I've been waiting for. Return <laughs> <laughs> of the Jedi. I'm like, I, I people, I just people will be like, yes, finally, this weird freak with the worm hair. That we all uh, know. That we yeah. all know he's been happy taking care of Jabba's place. We're gonna like just go straight into Bib Fortuna story, and then they just shoot him. Like, yeah. I don't, on. I don't, I don't care about anything else in this show except Baby Yoda. And I come to come to enjoy Mandalorian, and I don't want to see you take this and make three spinoff shows. Yeah. Like, this is a light eight episode web show, and you you made three spinoffs. Well, I mean, technically it's. It's kind of weird to call them spinoffs because this is a spinoff. Like it's, it, well, they're just also shows in the Star Wars universe, you know, like the. Well, but it seems like it seems well. So yeah, what you told me, Hunter, which I was trying to set you up to say, and you didn't quite say, is that uh, they Disney was like, "Oh, you like chill? We will face fuck you with chill." Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's what totally it feels what like. They're doing. They did at the end of this, they were like, "Oh, was this okay?" Well, enjoy it because you're never going to be able to breathe without thinking about this series. Right. We're going to do this. We're going to give you a new one of these every six months. And that is inherently unchill. So So now none of it will be chill. I don't care about these other world. And I, yeah, I mean, it like, I was actually one of the reasons I felt like this, like among other things that were going on in 2020, I actually felt like one of the reasons why this was the best Christmas I've had in years is there was no new Star Wars movie. (laughs) I feel like. That I needed it to chill for a little bit, right? Because I like it a bit. That's how it, this is. That's my whole takeaway from Star Wars is I like it a bit. And if mm-hmm. you give it to me in the right way, and it feels like you know what you're doing, I will have a nice time. But I do not want to watch this as like a Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't want you to just punch me with it every five minutes. And well, just, it's it's so it's so funny that they they like they really you know, did not learn a lesson, it feels like, uh, from the movies, right? They seem to learn the lesson that changing stuff and trying different things is what did them wrong and not flooding the market with yeah. Star Wars films. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, originally it was like a Star Wars film a year, which I've always like, if they had just chilled, like I genuinely believe, I think about this every once in a while, about like, so all the original, the first two trilogies both had three years approach. And mm-hmm. if they had even done that with a spinoff movie every 18 months, I wonder if people would have more of an appetite for Star Wars movies. But it was because we did, like, if it was, like, one of the main episodes every three years, like I said, with every 18 months you get a spinoff. Instead of this, like, you're going to get a new episode every other year, and between that... You're going to get Rogue One, Solo, Boba Fett, Yoda, all these different movies. Uh, and like yeah. most of them, people just got burnt out, didn't want to see it. And then people like Mandalorian and they're like, oh, we're going to just do everything we did for movies. Just do them on TVs instead. Because exactly, exactly right. There's just uh, it's just people who saw one little success and were like, I'm just going to beat you to death with that thing. And then when you're and then when you're bored, I'm going to take the wrong lessons and go try something else. Right. Right. Um, like who like the that Castian the Rogue One spinoff TV show? Oh my show? god! Yeah. Like who is that for? Who really was like, 
oh, this character, I got to see what happened, what more happened to him before this, you know, like, I mean, so yeah, it, that's, a, I think one of the main problems here is that these characters, like most of these characters are not that compelling. The point is, this is a light cowboy show. It's a serial. And if you take it and you're like, oh, but every character has a lot of backstory. It's not interesting anymore. But also there's no scarcity. And I think that's a big problem. One of the reasons why the the new trilogy was fun is there'd been some scarcity for a while and then you just completely crushed that. And I, I thought rogue one was fine, but I just, I just do not want to watch star Wars that often. It's only, it's only okay. We got to move on though. Um, we have to, one more segment to wrap up the space episode and we we're going to do that right now. All right. It's time for the argument. And we, uh, uh, we're, we're focusing for our space episode. We're continuing to focus on space. So here's what I want to know from you guys. What are the best space movies? And let's keep it positive. I'm not even going to say worse. Just what are the best space movies? And what are things that make a space movie good for you? Well, can I kind of give you a, a kind of cheat answer here? Because I can tell no, you. that's Hunter's no, bit. No, I can tell <laughs> you. Uh, what off the top of my head, what is easily two thirds of the maybe the greatest science fiction film of the 21st century before it incredibly blows it in the final act, and I think actually ruins kind of the rest of the movie. Uh, but I, uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine is, I believe, two thirds of the greatest science fiction film, like I said, of the 21st century. Uh, it's up there. Sunshine, uh, it's by the same writer of... Uh, yeah, Alex Garland. Yeah, Alex Garland, who did oh. Ex Machina and um, 28 Days Later with Danny Boyle. It, uh, yeah. incredi- it has uh, that music that was really... That piece of music that's really, really good in uh, Wonder Woman when she learns how to fly. That is from that movie. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, so it is this... Kind of preposterous, but like really beautiful, incredibly well acted. One of the best pieces of like music ever written, I think, is written for that movie. The score is phenomenal. It's this very touching, uh, you know, man against the nature of the universe type science fiction story uh, for two thirds of it. And then it turns into a slasher film for the last half hour. <laughs> and it just, I, I think, I, this is a pretty well-considered opinion uh but it is like i think it just completely falls apart it is interesting a stunning visual masterpiece until the last act where the movie just everything interesting about it gets thrown out the window and it becomes a completely different film it's right very odd uh but that two act first two acts uh are up there with like I think 2001 or, you know, Solaris or any of the other kind of great science fiction movies, you know? Interesting. Um, what else? What else is on your list of great space movies? I, I'm, I'm interested also in a little bit of the realistic space movies, not necessarily like, um, but you could definitely do Star Wars and Star Trek type things. What else yeah. is on there for you? Hunter? Well, but, but if, if we're going to switch into uh, realistic space movies, I want to throw in uh, this movie. I feel like didn't get enough love. Um, High Life. It's a Robert Pattinson mm. movie that came out in 2018, uh, yeah, directed by. Movie, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, really good, uh, like stuck on a spaceship scenario type thing. It's like set on a prison ship, uh, mm. and Robert Pattinson uh, plays a, a prisoner on that ship. It's sort of like I, I, I feel like the way the plot, the premise of it was sort of like 
they had all these criminals and it was like you could volunteer to go like on essentially a prison spaceship mission where they're like shooting you through space towards somewhere if you wanted to, as opposed to serving out your sentence on earth. So it's like people that have done uh, real bad stuff. It is, it is a dark movie. I would say like, don't just, it's not just like a, like just a regular fun sci-fi movie. There's some pretty rough stuff in it. Um, but it was, it was quite good. I mean, it is essentially like a sort of like, a, a gruesome one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but in space on a spaceship. So I mean, Claire oh, makes she makes very intense. You know, she's like a one of the greatest like living European directors. She is oh, really sure. awesome. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you're gonna cover like the super realistic ones, I mean, obviously, like 2001 is, I think, a masterpiece. That you know, everyone says that. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I think I, just just to put a candidate up there, I think uh, Apollo thirteen is my probably my favorite mm-hmm. realistic space movie, and uh, I think I was actually just uh, my film class that I took online recently was talking about a thing that I didn't even know because I'm stupid, but just how much of that movie was shot in the vomit comet. I did not realize that they spent they did like a thousand takes in actual zero gravity. Wow, that's cool. And yeah, did you you didn't know that? I didn't oh, know good. that. No. I feel but less I, dumb now that you didn't know that. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But I so, remember they like really would talk that up on like the HBO like twenty minute behind the upcoming movies thing. Well, yeah, because the crazy thing about doing it in the vomit comet is that you're only in zero gravity for like ninety seconds. So they had to shoot this huge amount of time. So you also have a film crew that's throwing up constantly, as well as the actors, and you have to do scenes in like ninety second clips you can't do long cuts of it and long takes of anything because after that it's going to turn into triple gravity and you're going to feel real shitty for a while so but they it, because of that when they float between parts of the the lunar module it doesn't look like they're on wires they look like they're goddamn floating and it's incredible this, this is really random but uh i'm not a big fan of their music but as like a um artistic video collective i i really like okay go oh uh, yeah Oh yeah, <laughs> have you seen their video uh, in yeah, the comic comment? The one yeah. that's like one long take that they had to do between those little dives. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Very cool. Very, it's really very cool. Impressive. Yeah, that's a really great job. I uh, <gasps> although it is also fun to watch a group like that where you're like, you got famous doing this on treadmills, and now you have money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now but you can I mean, afford to do this in an exclusive but, space plane. The thing that would be annoying about them is if they didn't constantly put that money to like actually impressive use. Like if they oh, didn't oh, yeah, have totally, a totally. of like just doing really outlandish things. But anyway, I think uh, we can all agree: great space movie, Austin Powers two. This by Jack <laughs> Me. Um, yeah, that is. It's slightly better than my my next nomination was going to be a joke nomination of Moonraker. So took that away <laughs> well, from me. That's a parody. But the reason why I um. I, I thought of that movie in, as space is, did you know that all the, um, cause the Austin Powers movies were like the sequels had pretty big budgets, but they weren't huge. Uh, and in Austin Powers two, when he gets in the spaceship to go off the space, there's a bunch of shots of the rocket taken off, which are all just reuse shots from Apollo 13. Oh. Uh, cause it's the well, same, studio, the same studio. They yeah. were just they just went in. It was like we need some space shots. You're I, no I love that. A different movie. I love that. Oh. Um, 
I also uh, I really enjoyed The Martian, and I also really enjoyed Gravity as two recent realistic-ish space movies. Yeah. I mean, Gravity is a movie I haven't re-watched at home, but I saw it in like IMAX 3D twice just because it was like yeah. such yeah. A, um, a, a theatrical experience. But yeah, The Martian is really, really good. I uh, yeah. yeah, the Drew Goddard sc- script, Matt Damon, Ridley Scott, who's been a yeah. big talk on this podcast over the last year um, um the uh another thing we talked about on this show so here's a I, I can't tell you if i if this is good or just memorable but we watched event horizon several years ago and it stuck oh, yeah. with me yeah i really enjoyed that as a kid my wife and i watched it last year and it's not very good it's okay it uh i mean i think it has its moments like it has some cool ideas the it's one of those movies that it's like it's so close to being really good mm. but it just falls short in a few ways but yeah i mean if you're gonna mention that you have to mention like the alien movies uh yeah, especially the first two as big space movies yeah, well those I, are cool. so alex i feel like the answer for you will be pretty obvious but hunter i'm curious where do you fall on the sort of science fiction like code science fiction or science fantasy type Ooh. movie you know like, like if i'm gonna pick one or the other like i mean this is essentially a veiled star trek versus star wars yes exactly that is question. i mean the main that's kind of like the big example people always comes down to like what do you like the i mean uh um, you like both so i mean i do like both but I mean, I think the one that lives in my heart more is uh, like Star Trek or like harder. I like sci-fi that is really kind of true to, I think, the original purpose of science fiction, which is that it is a, a genre of fiction that is trying to communicate something concrete to you about the world that we currently live in. I, um, I think, agree with that. I like that yeah. also. I think yeah, a lot of science fiction loses the that connection to the overall point i mean i think i I don't know that i ever i mean maybe you maybe i did learn some stuff from star wars like really basic stuff but star trek actually has taught me you know about how to be a good person and stuff well i think that like the you know the place of like code science fiction is kind of like that not stories about the future but stories about today and kind of that that like kind of morally conscious thing where science fantasy kind of with all fantasy falls more into like the mythology kind of storytelling. Yes. The sort of like you take life lessons and the parables that you're supposed to be taking rather than like, you know, straight sort of one-to-one things. Um, Yeah. I I like the gritty space stuff. And that's one of the reasons why, um, uh, when we, if we're talking, if we're opening this up to, uh, TV shows as well as movies, which it seems like we're willing to do. I really like The Expanse. Uh, and actually, I, I mean, the show is a little bit too low budget for me sometimes, so I actually like mm-hmm. the book a lot. But I just think the way that, especially just the first book from The Expanse series, handles space, is one of my favorite things I've seen anyone do with space science fiction. Just the... the, the their, and, it, and it is exactly what you said, like using it to understand something about today. And um, the way they imagine this space happening it's actually it actually reminds me a lot of what elon musk was talking about um right with, like 
the way they imagine space will lead to this kind of class struggle and you can understand class struggle in space. There's it's like space zombies. And yet you're like, wow, I feel like the working class is not appreciated. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a really, I think they just do as um, they, um, essay Corey is a, they uh, really nails it. Um, those so two I, guys. Really I have good. another question kind of speaking of space stuff. This is kind of fun. Uh, but I was talking to my wife about this the other day, but, uh, I was explaining to my wife the concept of like Warhammer 40k. Uh, wait, wait, wait. The, the, the world of the game or the world yeah. of people painting really small things? Well, a bit of a bit of both. But okay. so <laughs> she, I was kind of just we we kind of like saw an ad for something related to that, and she was right. like, she's like Warhammer 40k, like Warhammer is like you know like a fantasy game right and like figures and stuff like that and i was like yeah but warhammer 40k is like their space version of it and it's a very simple concept but it's like what if we took a fantasy thing and went forty thousand years into the future mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and it's like it's just the same shit but it's in space and they mm-hmm. got us thinking like what other franchises would be kind of fun to Ooh, do, like, like Lord of the Ring 40K? 40K. Kind of like <laughs> the thing that we, like, obviously went to. Oh, so but interesting. Like, what else is, like, something that, like, the the super, super advanced space, but it still has, like, the same relation, like, world tendencies and, like, kingdom. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, the, the, it's weird because the world... In order to do a 40K of something, it's kind of a sad thing you're saying, because you're basically saying, in this fictional universe, basically everything stays in stasis, doesn't really change that much for 40,000 years. Like, they, 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 yeah. they invade, they in, you know, invent spaceships and uh, run into crazy space monsters, but it's still the same families that run everything, you know? Um, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't have a great answer to this question, but it is a great question. Is that like fair? Malcolm in the Middle, 40K. 40K. <laughs> oh, okay. So it doesn't even have to just be fantasy, like stuff that would translate. Because I was about to say, like, He Man 40K might be fun, like a space skeletor. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. almost like that, that's almost too easy. Like, it literally, in my head, it's so easily yeah. done. Transformers 40k, they're just well, I do like if you take Star Wars 40k because it was you know a long time ago. Oh, that's fair, yeah, Yeah, it's just modern days. Oh, you know, that yeah, actually, they would never do that. I was about to say, I bet Disney will get there, but the thing is, they're so self referential that I think we're just gonna kind of be stuck in the same, you know, that is even a radical idea for Star Wars to go into its own future i don't even think we'll get that no if yeah. anything we're just going to go further into the past right yeah, yeah. Go even further further away from now yeah um, i mean it, it yeah it's it's sort of like uh the same thing that happened with the prequels is they were like we want to see what this guy was like as a child it feels like there's disney is still doing that with people yeah yeah well, well I mean, because they got it from George Lucas, and that was like the number one thing people were like, George, we didn't want this. And then they're like, yeah, okay, that. Like, well, they just announced, like, it, it just started coming out, but they Disney has like a whole new series and like series of books and comics and video games, but uh, it's called The High Republic. Uh, right, and it, yeah. It just takes place like uh, basically a hundred years or 200 years before the the prequels. So, like, they're just going to do that. Just go back 200 years at a time uh, forever. I, 
I would also just take a, an Easter egg where they are like, it's it's a long time ago. So they're like, hey, we have this mission. And then Mandalorian has to like pop through hyperspace, ends up at Earth and is like, well, no one's smart here yet. And then takes off again. Because <laughs> it's just so long. It's just like he sees dinosaurs and doesn't give a shit and then flies home. And that's it. Right. Uh, I, I'd be into that. I, this 40K, Anthony, I really wish I could do a better riff on it. And I can't. And I'm sorry. But I love I it. I heard 40K. <laughs> I mean, just saying is fun. Yeah, he just wants to have one quiet Christmas. <laughs> Forty thousand years in the future. That's funny. All right, we're gonna wrap our space conversation on that. If you have any suggestions for what shows or movies you'd like to see a 40k version of, or just some important space things that we did not talk about, what is your favorite version of space? How do you like to see space portrayed? That sort of thing. Please send us an email podcast at read weepcom or hit us up on social. You can find us all of the places. Thank you so much for listening to the space episode. We're going to be back again next week with another special episode. Next week is the magic episode. So next week, our homework is going to be Derek Delgado's uh, Delgado's in and of itself, a new magic special on Hulu. Um, that was a sort of a one man show. Um, that uh, and magic combination apparently i don't know much about Derek. it's very good it's very good anthony really liked it and got excited and both anthony and i have a an embarrassing history of card tricks so if you want to hear us get a little bit personal about baby baby tony and al um talking about going around doing little bits of tricks a little bit of magic in high school that all that and more next week on the magic episode I can't promise any of that, but I am going to make the Statue of Liberty disappear next week. <laughs> it, it will only work on podcasts. It audio magic, yeah. Audio magic, but I will... Just look at your the, phone. Don't look at it on either side of your phone. It's gone, I promise. Yes, I will make the Statue of Liberty vanish next week. That is I a love it. I love it. Um, as long as all the people involved in the trick also think it's impressive. Oh, we... Man, this is old news, but maybe for the new segment, we can also bring up the people who were um, suing because they got hurt in a magic trick in Vegas. Oh, I um, did not hear that. Uh, it's, um, in uh, um, what's what's his? Uh, um, anyway, they they were like in a trick where you disappear from stage and appear in the back of the audience, and apparently. I'm not going to tell you how the trick was done, but it involved running through some dark passages without clear uh, foot space. And so they tripped over some stuff and were injured trying to appear somewhere else. Um, I assume it was in the space-time continuum, not underneath the stage in Las Vegas, but I can't tell you for sure. Anyway, maybe I can pull that up and see what the, the how that case is, is progressing. Anyway, I love magic and also I have a lot of problems with it. And so we are going to have a fun time talking about magic next week. So join us for that. If you have suggestions for things you really want us to talk about, send us an email podcast at readdeshweep.com or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. And especially if you have arguments for us, meet buddies, you get to pick arguments and you also get to vote on episodes. So let us know uh, in the Metreon. Tell us what you'd like us to argue about. And then Hunter can take both sides of the issue. <laughs> I actually haven't done that since. I know it really seemed like it was going to be a thing, and it's mostly been. Uh, I'm not going to. I won't. I won't do that. I won't force a both sides thing. Well, it was literally Hunter did it the first week. Alex did it the next week, and right. I kind of did it this week. So yeah, we all, we've, done, we've all taken a turn. Um, it's still Hunter's thing, but we all just do it. <laughs> yes, you, you, you just you were the one who originated the maneuver, so you got to name it. Um, if you yeah so vote on that also just we really appreciate all of our meet buddies thank you for keeping the show floating on the tracks you can go to metreon.com to join the the ranks of the fabulous meet buddies 
and I really appreciate all of them. Thank you for being here, Anthony Lopez. It's always great talking to you. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And Hunter, thanks for taking a journey with us to space. Love it. Love space. I enjoyed it very much. I'll talk to you guys both again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.